0: Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzhan with Mr. Brian Terry. Have two to us you're try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 499-9526, And you stick a two two five front A, you can reach us from anywhere in the United States.
1: And we'd really love to hear from you this morning. Various opinions and different Things that happen in different parts of the country? Well,
0: that's right. We always like to get perspectives from people who are outside of our normal listening area. Right, kind of adds a lot of flavor to the show. For
1: sure, and, because there's things that happen in South Louisiana that happen nowhere else in the <laughs> world, really. <laughs> oh, that's a fact. <laughs> it's not just old
0: cars. <laughs> <laughs> hey, give us a call wherever you may be listening. If you're out there listening on iHeart or any of the other fine rebroadcast services, or if you listen to our podcast, give us a call. It's 499-9526, and that is area code 225. I stopped and I looked up how yeah. you call from outside the United States. Oh, you did. I did, and it's not that difficult. It finally I, got the best of you. Oh yeah, I had to know. I just had to know, man. <laughs> Actually, from Canada, it's just a one and the error code, just just it's like in the United it is. States. Yeah. Okay. Other countries have what they call an exit code, which is not very difficult. It's either zero one in some countries, zero zero one in other countries, and so on. You dial that before. You, uh-huh. you know, everybody's going to have you look go on the internet, go to Google, and just put international call something like that. Right. And there's a whole list of different exit codes. To exit your country's country. system, and that way you can access the international system. So it's not that hard. So, hey, if you happen to be out
1: there listening in Australia or Europe, right, Saudi
0: Arabia, wherever, you just it. give us a call, man. Of course, you got to get in the middle of the night do it, but yeah, well, yeah, what the heck. <laughs> hey, we're going to our phone lines with Gerald. Good morning, Gerald.
2: Good morning. Yes, Good sir. Good morning. Look, I got an 0 Hyundai Sonata. Okay. Now, every time we go up to the gas pump and put gas in this thing, mm-hmm. it won't start afterwards. Okay. Now, it seems as if it's sucking air.
1: No. <laughs> you no.
0: Know. they got a vent in the top of the tank, and what happens on those things, Gerald, is normally someone has overfilled the tank a number of times. In other words, your pump first cuts off. You're supposed to stop putting gas in it, but nobody right. does that. Everybody keeps putting gas. Oh, well, yeah, when you keep putting gas, yeah, what you keep doing is you're forcing gas into what they call a charcoal canister, which is a vapor storage device. Over time, what happens, that vapor storage device is going to break down because the the membrane that holds all the charcoal in place. That gas gets into it eats it up. Then the charcoal starts going out and it plugs up the vents in the tank. Now, when it gets full like that, it goes up to that level and it plugs it up, and that's why your tank won't vent so the car won't run. Have you tried putting like three-quarters of a tank? It'll go ahead and start?
2: Actually, just uh, the other day, it had a half tank gas Mm -hmm. in it. And I went ahead and filled it up just to see. Right, I right. I it in different way. Yeah, but when and you fill that,
0: it up, instead of filling it all the way to the top, put about three-quarters of a tank and see if it starts firing. In just don't well, fill it completely
2: up. Like you say, last time I have a half-tank gas in it.
0: Yeah, but I, that doesn't matter, Gerald. If, I don't care if it's empty or a half-tank. When you fill it, don't right. fill it all the way to full. Okay. In other words, let's say your tank holds 12 gallons. Right. All right, and it needs 12 gallons of gas. We'll put eight gallons in it. And then put the cap back on and crank it and see if it starts right up.
2: So basically, don't let the pump shut itself off.
0: Correct. Just stop before it does. And just as a test procedure, if it cranks right up, then you know filling it doesn't have anything to do with it. It's the fact that it's full that's doing it. Gotcha. You see, now, if you go in there and you put four or five gallons, cut it off, and it still won't start, well, now we're into a different scenario. All right. But that would be pretty strange. But almost every time, that's going to be something to do with what they call the evaporative emissions vent solenoid or the charcoal canister or something in that system. It's not venting when the tank's full. All
2: right. Uh, so what's the fix on that? Change that canister?
0: Well, no, you need to go and diagnose it and see because it's not necessarily the canister itself. It could be the canister broke down, and now the vent solenoid or the purge solenoid is plugged up. It could be the line plugged up. I mean, all kinds of possible things. It's in that system. It's most likely going to be the canister, but the canister may not be all of it. Right. It's not so, going
1: to be just one part you can go in there and change and fix it. Right, necessarily.
0: I mean, you might if you get lucky, but the way you test that canister... Is you take it off and there is a weight that is supposed to weigh. You'd have to look in service data and get the weight. And then you weigh it. If it's heavier than the weight, then you know it's saturated with gas and you know it's bad or a way to test it. But yeah, we could check it and tell you. But I wouldn't go in and just start changing parts because there's a lot of parts in that system and you may spend quite a bit of money before you actually find it. You'd be far better off to pay somebody a few dollars to check it and tell you which one it is, even if you want to do the work yourself.
1: And that system is real sensitive, so you got to be sure if you do start working on it. That you are making the connections perfect. Yeah, because it. Yeah, check engine light will pop right. on, and you'd you be fighting that for the rest of your life.
0: Well,
2: yeah, it, it done that. Just that's a meant me a code of P1166, uh, something about uh, a heated oxygen sensor. I don't yeah. know if that. that there no, it. That, no. That,
0: that doesn't have anything to do with this. That's a problem, but it's not this problem.
2: I wasn't going to change that thinking it would fix this. It will not fix
0: this. No, but that is important to fix it because if you don't fix that, it's going to end up taking the catalytic converter out, which will basically total that car.
1: Right. That converter is probably $1,200, $1,500. Yeah, I don't want that. No, sir.
0: The the O2 sensors actually monitor the amount of oxygen left, and that's what sets the fuel-air mixture, and that's what protects the catalytic converter. So that's-
2: yeah, well, bank says bank one, what is that?
0: Somewhere around a- If it's a 2.7-liter V6, that's going to be the bank on the back and there's towards the firewall. Bank is one bank of cylinders. On a V6 is a bank one and a bank two. Bank one will be the side that cylinder number one is on. On a Hyundai 2.7, it would be the cylinder all the way to the passenger side, all the way back by the firewall. So bank one will be the rear bank on that particular engine. If it's not that engine sure, – You okay. have to look it up in service data, man. It varies from car to car. Are. Sometimes uh, it's left side, sometimes it's the right side. It just it depends on how Hyundai decide to do it.
2: Okay. All them, I know you got some upstream and some downstream. They do. all the ones upstream the same?
0: Not necessarily, no. Sometimes bank one and bank two are different. Sometimes upstream downstream are different. And sometimes it's not actually. An auction sensor It's what they call a fuel layer sensor, which is totally different, even though they look exactly the same. So. All right. You just got to get service data on it. It's not anything. I mean, Gerald's nothing on a car you can just pop in there and start doing anymore. Even on a car that old, you just you go so far wrong, man. You'll be just pulling your hair out.
2: Well, I'm now trying to figure why I put gas in won't start. Mm-hmm. doesn't make no sense to me.
0: Yeah, no, that is pretty common. That happens on Hyundai's a lot. It happens on Chryslers a lot. And, right. It always comes from overfilling the tank. You know what you're supposed to do when you fill a tank? When that thing cuts off the first time, stop right there. Because if you don't, sooner or later you're gonna have this kind of trouble.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, All right. Yes, uh, sir. So. Right, okay, thanks.
0: Gerald. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. 499-9526, number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I, we'd love to have you. That was a real common problem with Chryslers on the minivans. Right. You'd fill that thing up, and it would either start misfiring real bad, or it wouldn't start, or it would die. And after the gas level ran down a little bit, it would run. But what it was doing is the fuel level was going up, plugging that vent, so on it. so. The tank was drawing a vacuum,
1: right? And it couldn't pull any more fuel through. Yeah,
0: and on the Chrysler
1: product, you had to
0: change the charcoal canister most of the time. But it varies from car to car. And when that canister breaks down, most of the time, what happens? The charcoal in it starts to proliferate out through the system because uh-huh. of vacuum. Once it draws into some of the vent valves and the solenoids and all that plugs them up, well now you got another problem. Exactly. So even if you go in and put the charcoal well, yeah, you fixed the source of the problem. But you still got the remnants of all them. the periphery that goes with right. <laughs> <it. laughs> and we're going back to phone line with Joe. Good morning, Joe. Hey,
3: good morning, Louis. How you doing?
0: Doing great, sir. Good morning.
3: Good. Got a question about a ninety eight Le Sabre okay. custom.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: the Fuel pump tell me it's not located in the fuel tank?
1: Absolutely. I, I, we could, but it wouldn't oh, I'd be... i tell you that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should be lied to you. Yeah, it's, it's definitely in
0: the fuel tank. Oh, yeah.
4: Okay, so I got to drop the tank then.
0: If that's what the problem is, what's the car doing?
4: Yeah, uh, it's, it's trying to run. Uh-huh. Uh, I had a mechanic friend of mine. It died on my wife yesterday. Okay. And it just stopped. Mm-hmm. And she had told me a couple of days prior that it acted like it didn't want to go, and that yeah. it didn't go. And yesterday... Uh, when it stopped, got it to the house, and he told me to turn the key on and mm-hmm. listen for the fuel pump. Okay. And it I heard a pump. He okay. said then don't start it. Turn the key off. Wait a few seconds, turn the key back on. Mm-hmm. The pump should not prime again.
1: No, it will. No, it will. It will. It'll it will. prime every time you yeah, turn every time the key on the it's gonna run for right. one second. Until every it time. sees the
0: crank position. So I I tell you what, I wouldn't go changing that fuel pump no, not just yet. now, Joe, because I've changed a handful of those but that is not a common problem on that car.
1: First thing you need to really? do is put a fuel pressure gauge on it.
0: Fuel pressure gauge on it. If it you, has
1: to have the exact amount, well not the exact amount but real close to the specified amount yeah, of fuel gotta pressure. Yeah, you got to have the minimum. I think the minimum on that's
0: probably around 48 to 55 PSI. And if it's at 40, it ain't going to run but if you got 45 psi forget it it ain't fuel system at all now if okay. you don't have that still don't mince fuel pump okay <clears throat> if you got zero fuel pressure it does not it's fuel pump okay you got to go back and see if you got 12 volts and ground at the fuel pump because it could be the fuel pump relay it could right. be the oil pressure switch not sending a signal it could be the theft deterrent system shutting the fuel pump down it could be a broken wire it could be a pcm driver gone bad i mean it could be a lot of stuff Right. So you just got to do some testing before you go dropping a tank and changing a fuel pump because I'd hate to see you make about a six hundred dollar mistake.
1: Well, plus right. Probably, plus a
0: whole weekend. Yeah, <laughs> and it still yeah. don't start. You think your wife's on you behind now?
3: You
1: know, and, and, and let's say you do have forty five pounds of fuel pressure, and you turn the key off, and it bleeds off immediately. Yeah. Well, you still got a problem with the fuel pressure. Yeah. Just because you, it's at forty five does not mean it's right. You got to do right. a little
0: bit of testing before you go jump off and do it because even though it could be a fuel pump. Man, I could name you about 200 other things that'll do exactly the same stuff. You know, a cam sensor, which is way more common, a crank sensor. I mean, on and on and on we could go. There's lots and lots of things that'll make a car stumble, die, not go, and then not start, other than a fuel pump. Fuel pump's probably one of the most expensive. So
5: bottom line is it probably need
0: to get it. You're going to have to get that check. It's going to be a whole lot cheaper. It would take me about an hour or less to diagnose that problem exactly, which is $90. I'm going to give you an exact guarantee this is it. Guaranteed. And a guaranteed price. If that ain't it, it's on me. But I have seen so much money wasted on stuff like that where somebody will say, well, I think it's a fuel pump. Well, why you want to do that, man? If you just want to guess, guess valve stem cap. That's only about 30 cents. Ain't going to fix it, but at least it's only 30 cents. (laughs) Fuel pump ain't going to fix it. It's $600. (laughs) And that's if you get a good one. Yeah, if you get a good one. Yeah, you might get a bad one if you go to the parts store. Probably worse than the one you're taking out. So. Yeah, yeah. Right. You need to get that okay. thing checked, or you need to go buy you some test equipment and test it. But don't jump in there and just change it. I can't say that we've changed a lot of fuel pumps on the Sabers. You know, that's it, not really? some of the other no. GM products. You know, if it was a Chevy pickup or it was a Suburban or Tahoe, I'd say you got a pretty, pretty good, good odd. Right. But in that car, we don't see that problem that much. I'm not saying it never happens, so but we just don't see it much that much.
3: So bottom line is, check fuel pressure with the gauge. Should yep. be around 40, 45, 45 psi.
0: Well, forty-eight to fifty-five.
3: And
6: it. It will bleed
0: down? No, no. it shouldn't no, bleed crank. down. Sometimes they will. If the if the check valve in the pump is bad, you cut the key off, it'll drop off. But that's not right. going to be this problem. That'll be a hard start after a hot soak kind of a okay. problem. But if it's not starting at all, see, every time you turn the key on, the pump is going to run for about a second. Right. Okay? And then if it doesn't see the crankshaft sensor turning, it's going to kill it because it doesn't want to flood the engine. But it's going right. to prime that pump every single time you cycle ignition. Now, okay. if you cycle it and then right back on it, may not because it's got a little memory in there, and it's going to remember, hey, this guy's just sitting there flipping the key back and forth. But if right. you turn it on, turn it off, wait a few seconds, here it again, it's going to run it again. Right.
4: Okay. All right.
0: Well, All I right. appreciate it. Okay, Joe. All right. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive I we'd love to have you. We're going back to the phone lines with John. Good morning, John. Good
6: morning, guys. 91 Ford F-150, two-wheel drive, 302. Okay. Just picked it up. It's got about ninety-three thousand miles on it. Okay. Explain to me. It's got the dual fuel tanks. Yeah. And what's happening is that it's selected to the rear tank, mm-hmm. and it runs. It runs fine. Okay. When you put it, when you switch in the cab to switch mm-hmm. to the front tank, right? It shows empty, but it continues to run. Okay. I'm trying to understand. Is there two separate sending units? Yes. One in each yes, sir. tank.
0: It's three fuel pumps. And there's two sender units. Three fuel pumps. Okay. You got one in each tank and you got one on the rail. That system, oh. John, was very, very, very complex. And see, on a, a truck that old with that low of miles, uh-huh. that means that truck sat up a lot. So the yeah. odds yeah. of having rust inside those tanks is pretty darn high. Yeah. Trying to fix both those tanks is going to just about bankrupt you. most people do on these old vehicles is they just abandon one of the tanks and convert it to a single tank system. That way, yeah. they can keep it full and keep the gas going through it. In 91, yeah. it wasn't such a bad idea to have that much gas on hand. See, with ethanol fuel, you got about a three month shelf life on gas. Then you're going to get phase right. separation. The ethanol is going to start falling out and you're going to rust right. the devil life thing in it. Right. So, with that much gas on a vehicle that's not getting driven that much, you just got a ticking time bomb. Yeah. So, But there there is two sender units, it's two complete fuel systems, and then there's a booster pump on the rail. Okay. And there's also a diverter valve on the rail. All
5: right. Okay. So that's
6: just to leave it alone. Just operate on one tank.
0: I think I would. I mean, unless you just got some absolute need you got to have to go. But, yeah, yeah, it's very, very, very complex, and it's very hard to keep it all clean and working because you don't cycle the fuel off enough with two tanks.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All righty. All
6: right, guys.
0: Take okay, care. John. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Hey, we got to take a quick little break. Steve, Mike, hang on. You guys will be straight up after this break. Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best.
7: Just a guy here for Agco Automotive with a few things that chap my hide lately. $150 jeans, vanity licenses that are too complex to read, billboards that say drive carefully. Think about that one. Child beauty pageants. I mean, let's go ahead and set these kids up for failure before they get to kindergarten. And how about when you try to be nice and let someone out in traffic and they won't go because they're talking on the cell phone? Here's a message for you. Put the phone down! Another thing that chaps my hide is repair shops that use Swaptronics to fix your car. That's where they can't pinpoint the exact problem, so they just change parts, hoping to fix something, which means your repair bill could double. The experts at AGCO determine the exact problem, then fix it right the first time at the price quoted, which does not chap my hide. One more info, visit agcoauto.com. That's A G C O A U T O.com. AGCO, it's the place to go.
0: Hey, welcome back. You just join us, The Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Albazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Tree Tools, we're trying to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? i will be glad to try to help you out, and we'd love to hear from you. We got Mike online. Good morning, Mike. Good
4: morning. How are you guys? Doing great, sir. Good morning. I enjoy your show, first of all. I, I try to catch you all as often as I can. Well, thank you. I'm a longtime hot rodder, and uh, I've got a 98 Jeep Grand
0: Cherokee. Uh huh
4: that I bought for my son when he got out of high school. Okay. Uh, he, he calls her Gertie.
1: Hi.
4: <laughs> and she got 172 thousand miles on her. Got the straight six, the four yeah, liter, four liter, huh? Yeah, and been a real super super car. Mm-hmm. But the last few times I drove it, it acts like it runs out of gas. It doesn't pull a code that I can find on on my on my checker. Yes, sir. And I don't think I I can hear the pump prime when I turn the key on. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And, and it'll run just fine, 15, 20 minutes, and then it'll stumble and quit and I'll let it sit for 10, 15 minutes. I
0: tell you what, Mike, I've seen that problem on Jeeps quite a bit, particularly high mileage Jeeps. I was,
4: I was hoping so. <laughs> yeah,
0: the fuel pump will definitely do that on them. That is one way that it goes out. It'll work just fine, but when it gets hot, it quits working. And when it sits uh-huh. and cools off, it'll stop working. The only way to really find that is to get a fuel pressure gauge, hook it up, and tape it to the outside of the windshield. Well, you can see it through the windshield. You don't want it in the cab, would you, because you don't want gas in the cab, would you, obviously. But driving around, and when it dies, look up at that gauge. If it starts sputtering off and dropping down, and that's when it dies, okay, then you know you got a fuel pressure issue. The next thing you got to do is you're going to have to wire in wires to the hot wire on the fuel pump in the ground and put a little voltmeter or an LED or something in the truck where you can see if it's getting power when this happens okay because it could still be it doesn't necessarily mean it's fuel pump going bad because fuel pressure drops out it could be losing the current flow you know the relay could be bad and it could just get hot and and open do the same thing so you need two tests to to condemn a fuel pump and what we do on something like that i've actually got a little rig i've built it's just a long wire with a couple alligator clips i get underneath there clip it to the wires and i got a little led on it and i can put inside the cab i can sit there and watch the led i know the fuel pump's got power at that point watch my fuel pressure, go drive it about 30 minutes. If the pressure starts to drop and the LED is still on, hey, it's fuel pump. No question right, there. Right. Now, if the fuel pressure drops and the LED goes out, then we're into an electrical problem. So that's a little different issue.
4: Okay, but uh, just for the, the heck of it, I got on the Internet and I mm-hmm. started looking up the problem in, and- I found it's a map sense or it's a map.
0: Well, it can be, it It could be, but again, without a test, you got nowhere to go. You can start, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. You're going to run out of money before you run out of maybes. You know,
4: yeah, (laughs) so you got
0: to have something to go with. And this is two very simple tests that you can do yourself. that's not going to cost you anything, a little bit of time, and that'll tell you definitively. Now, if I just had to guess, I would say probably the fuel pump. But, again, I've seen a cam sensor do that. I've seen a crank sensor do it. I've seen all kinds of things do it. I've seen the PCM go out and do it, just quit working well, at a point.
4: those are all the things that I read on uh, Oh, on, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. it all happened.
0: You know, it's kind of like I told a guy a while back. I said, if you hear tools behind you, are you going to assume it's horses or are you going to assume it's zebras? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the simplest thing first. You know, It's probably not a herd of zebras, unless you're in Africa somewhere.
4: Well, I tell you what, you give me two real
0: easy things to check. Yeah, very simple, and, I mean, you could even get your son to go drive it, and that kind of involves him in it and starts teaching him a little bit about the way things work, and just go drive it until it does it. Rarely will it leave you stranded. It'll probably leave you stranded for 30 minutes until the pump cools back off. But, yeah, if those two things occur, then it's going to be the pump. And when you change that pump, Mike, go ahead and do yourself a favor. Go to the Chrysler dealer and buy that pump. I know you can buy them online. I know you can buy them all kinds of places. They're absolute trash. Most of the time, they don't even work out the box. If they do work, they can work about a month or two, and they going to go out again. Go yeah, ahead and
4: I, I changed a Chrysler through a parts place.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, and it's it's not an easy job. You got to drop the no. tank and, no, and, and all that. Put the pump in, turn the key, and nothing happens. That's right. All oh, right. that
0: happens all the time. And Chrysler parts could probably cost you an extra $75, 50 $100, bucks, whatever it is, but then you're fixed. Just go ahead and bite the bullet and buy a decent part because it's yeah, when when too you much it, work to change it again.
1: That's it. When you lay laying on your back in the driveway with a fuel tank <laughs> on your chest trying to get out from under the truck, you don't want to do that twice.
0: Yeah, that's not my favorite
1: position.
4: No, not, <laughs> even, not even close. Well, listen, I'll do this, and I'll check that part myself. If it's not if it's not either of those things, yep. I'm just going to come see you. Yeah, that sounds great. All right. Thank you so
0: much, All right, sir. Mike. All right, Thanks, sir. man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 499-9526, the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Revive, we would love to have you. And we're going back our phone lines to Steve. Good morning, Steve.
5: Good morning, Lewis. Yes, sir. I've got a Honda Accord with about 82,000 miles Okay. As far as I know, still has the original time and belt.
0: Okay. What year and, mile is it, Steve? It's an 03. 03. Yeah, you're way past due, Steve. Not the miles, but the time. See, okay. seven years is the outside limit on that timing belt. Okay. And you're way past seven years. You know, you're 10 really? years. And so. see, time, rubber breaks down over time, but starts to dry rot and stuff, and that's when it's going to break. Every timing belt I've ever seen broken, I've never seen one break because of high mileage. I've always seen them break because they went over the time limit.
5: Because
0: of age. Okay. Yes, age is a killer. So that definitely needs to be done immediately, if not sooner. If it breaks, you will lose the engine. That is an interference engine.
5: Okay. About how much would I be looking at to get one? Steve, device. if
0: I did that job, what I'm going to do is I'm going to change the timing belt. I'm going to change the cam seals, the crank seal, the tensioner, the outside belts. I change everything there, and you'll probably spend around $800 somewhere, but then you're done with the job. Now, there are people who go in and just throw a timing belt on it. They call that a belt slap. Now, the issue there is you're going to spend probably four to $500 doing that, and then six months from now, if the cam seal starts leaking, guess what? You're going to spend another $600 to go back and change the cam seal. Plus, it leaked all over your brand new belt. Six months later, the water pump freezes up, throws the belt off, tears the engine up. So you see where I'm going? Yeah. While you're there, just do it all. Do
1: it all right. All you're mean. already paying for the labor to you're get there.
0: You're already paying the labor one way or the other. So you might as well right. go ahead and change all the parts that go bad. That way you're done. You're ready for another seven years. It's a great little car. I mean, it's just part of that car is changing yeah. the belt. They seem to last forever. They, the car lasts forever, but the timing belts don't. So, I mean, you're okay. already on bar time. I would not push that.
5: Okay, and you cut the other parts called the cam seal?
0: Well, go on my website, go okay. to the search function, type in timing belt, and there's going to be a nice article there with pictures. It's going to explain everything to you, show your pictures, how it all works, and you'll okay. come out of way from there knowing more than 90% of the people in the world. All right? Okay. All right. A so whole ball of wax would be, be around $800. It depends if it's a V6 or a four cylinder. The six cylinders are a little bit more, the four cylinders a little bit less, but somewhere we'll in a, that neighborhood.
3: Give it take fifty hundred. dollars Yes, sir.
0: Exactly. All right.
3: All right. Appreciate that. All right, room.
0: Steve. All right. Thank Thanks, you. man. Bye bye. 499 9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive, iron. Joe, Rick, hang on. You guys will be straight up after this break.
7: Just a guy here for Agco Automotive with a few things I'm tired of. I'm tired of reality TV. There's nothing real about it. I'm tired of all those housewives, the Kardashians, the brides, the bachelors, celebrities in rehab. Here's an idea let's ship all the flavor flaves, snookies, and honey boo boos off to a deserted island and watch America's average IQ jump up a few points. I'm also really tired of automotive repair shops that promote an $89.95 brake job and then hit the folks for $500 and give them a lousy job. Listen to me, and take your vehicle to Agco, where you get quality work performed right the first time for a reasonable price. And that, my friends, is a reality. Want more info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco.com. It's the place to go.
0: Hey, welcome back. With if you're you joining us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Halzen, and i got Mr. Brian Terry right here by my side. Between my two of us, we'll answer almost any question you can put to us. Why don't you go give us a try? <laughs> <laughs> I've only been saying it in about 25 years. <laughs> I'm sure it's posted around here somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I just about got down. Hey, let's go back to the phone lines. Joe, good morning, Joe.
5: How you doing, Louis? Doing great, sir. Good morning. I have a 2,300 CR-V. Okay. Yesterday, I stopped to put gas in it, Uh and I didn't let, like you said, when the pump cut off, I kept pumping gas. Okay. When I got back in, the engine light was on.
0: Yeah, okay. Could very well be. Is it still on? It's still on. The only thing you can do, Joe, is try driving it three or four more key cycles and see if it goes out and stays out, in which case you just got lucky. But what happens is that when you do that and you overfill that tank, the fuel can back up into the EVAP system. On a Honda CRV, there's a part called a three-way valve that it'll take out, usually before it takes out the charcoal canister. If it's damaged that valve, then the light's going to stay on, and you're going to have to have it diagnosed to make sure that's it and replace that valve. But it may it just have some gas in it. It may suck on through, and if it does, the light will generally, because it continually tests, and if it has like three consecutive pass tests on three consecutive drive cycles it'll turn the light back out on its own so okay. if you want to just drive it around a little bit see what happens you can do that if not call lane Monday tomorrow we'll set up get it in check it and see but it's almost surely going to be that now there's also a small possibility that's a coincidence that the lights happen to come on right. when you filled it up and that has nothing to do with it right but I mean, that, anything can happen but if it's related to filling it's almost always going to be in that evaporative emission system
5: Okay, and another question. Mm-hmm. Two thousand and three.
0: This thing has a
5: belt or a chain on it. Chain. Yeah, I went on the internet,
0: and that's what it said. But. Yeah, yeah. It may very well be. I I don't remember exactly when Honda changed. I have to look every one of them up every time, but I know it was around O two or three The four cylinders went to a chain, and I think the V six has kept a belt for a few more years. Right. Okay. All right.
3: All right. Well, if the light don't go out, I'll bring it in.
5: There you go.
0: All right, Mike. Right, Hi, Joe. Thanks, man. Bye, bye. All right, 499-9526 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive we'd love to have you. And we're going back to the line with Rick. Good morning, Rick.
6: Good morning. How are y'all? Doing great, sir. Doing great. Listen, I got a 97 GMC Rally
5: van. Okay. When I go to put it in reverse, it stalls out. I put it in park, it starts right back up, and it's good to go.
0: Okay. How about when you put it in drive? What does it do?
5: It, It has no problem.
0: No problem in drive, reverse only?
5: Reverse only
2: hmm Rip,
0: yeah that's kind of a strange symptom i don't say that i've ever seen that exact thing a number of things it could be i mean it could be that something in the transmission is actually putting it in two gears at one time which will make it stall like that because it can't go and it'll, it'll do that it's also possible that the engine is torquing over because when you put it in reverse it kind of torques up one way and torques up the other way if you got a loose wire or something somewhere, it could be pulling it and make it do it. Does it do it every single time, Rick? Uh,
6: not every time. Or just most time. More or? than not.
0: I tell you, does it have a tachometer in the vehicle?
6: No.
0: No tach. If you had a tach, you could watch your RPM and see what it's doing and see if the RPM is dropping way down. Could be something like an idle servo that's bad, and it's just that when it's going in reverse, it's loading it more for some reason. I'd almost have to see that one to tell you for sure, Rick. Check and make sure there's no vacuum lines or anything that are being pulled. When you shift from drive to reverse, the engine torques the opposite way on its mounts. And on a vehicle of that age, the mounts may be such that it moves just enough to move something, either moves a wire or a connection or moves a vacuum line or something like that. I would go under the hood and just put a real good eye and a good ear on it and have somebody sitting there and shift it and see what's moving around. Other than that, it is possible it could be a transmission issue where it's getting into two gears at one time or something like that. It's just not a real common issue. I, it's not anything I've really run across before. I'd have to see your car to tell you for certain.
5: Okay, okay. All and right. Just, just make an appointment with you? Yeah, just it. give me a
0: call, and I'll give Elaine a call, and she'll set you up a time, bring in, drop it off. I can put some instrumentation on it, and as long as I can duplicate it, I can tell you what it is. That'll
5: work. It'll duplicate it, trust me. <laughs> Good deal. All right, thank you. Tyler. All right, thanks, Rick.
0: Bye-bye. <laughs> All number if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour. We're going right back to the line with Curtis. Good morning, Curtis. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good
1: morning.
5: I've got a 2001 Yukon XL with mm-hmm. 323000 wow. miles on Wow. Good deal. Well, a lot of that goes to you guys because you guys take good care of.
1: Uh, all right.
0: Well, thank you.
5: But lately, when we go to start, normally, you know, you turn the key and it starts the first time. And what it's been doing now is you turn it and it, it kind of struggles a little bit. Then you might have to start it just a second time to get it to start with what causes that when Feel you say a
0: struggle curtis does it turn over at normal speed but just won't start like but just doesn't start
5: no no it'll turn slow it kind, of just, it kind of goes right back out
0: like it'll start and die
5: yeah it doesn't do it every time yeah you know?
0: most of the time when it'll start and die like that is you got some kind of an idle problem where it's just not it's failing to idle is what okay. it's doing and you see when you on new vehicle, or I call it a new vehicle, a newer vehicle, you just reach over and you hit the key, and boom, it starts and it idles. Remember back on the old carbureted cars, you just to have to mash the gas pedal a couple of times, and you had to kind of hold right. it down to get it to run and all that stuff. Well, the computer does all that for you. But what happens, if it fails to idle, it's going to start, and if the RPM drops too much, it's going to die. So it seems like it's starting and dying, starting and dying. A lot of times, Curtis, that could be as simple as just the throttle body is dirty on, particularly yeah. if you've put a new battery in any time recently.
5: I put a new battery probably, it's probably been less than a year ago.
0: Yeah. Did it kind of start doing this right after the battery was changed?
5: No, it's just kind of done in the last couple of weeks okay. or Okay.
0: So. Yeah, I would go with either a dirty throttle body. It's possible it could be like a vacuum leak. Yeah. Particularly if it does it more when it's cold than when it's hot. If it doesn't really do it after it's warmed up so much... Vacuum leaks are real common on that vehicle. It could be like the intake gaskets, something leaking. And what's happening, the engine's leaning out too much. When it's okay. cold, it's an open loop, so the oxygen sensors and stuff are not reading it, so it just dies. When gotcha. it gets warmed up, the O2s come online, They rich in the mixture, just add fuel trim to it. Is it setting a check engine light at all? No, no,
5: everything's good. Well, the only thing, the only light I got on right now is ABS light. Yeah,
0: I would probably say either a dirty throttle body or a vacuum leak and be pretty easy to diagnose, particularly if it does it all the time. Right. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Okay, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yes, sir. All right. number. If you want to be part of the automotive fire, we would love to have you. And we're going back to the phone. lines Joe. Good morning, Joe. Hello.
1: Yes, sir. Good morning.
5: I got a Toyota 2001 Avalon. Uh-huh. 95,000 miles on it. Okay. And I know I got to get the belt changed mm-hmm. and all that, but am I running a chance to tear my engine up? Absolutely.
0: Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, absolutely. you way, way, way past due, man. Car's 12 years old.
5: Seven yes, uh, years
0: is the outside limit yeah, that's not that's not an interference. Yeah, thing. absolutely is. Yes, sir. Okay, I'm starting
5: to get a little smell of uh, burn
0: oil. Is that valve cover gaskets almost right. every time on that engine. Yeah, it's got a three liter in it, great engine. Almost every time you get that all burn smell, the valve cover gaskets are leaking, and they run down to the exhaust manifolds, and then that's where the smell comes from.
5: Okay, I got a couple quotes now I'll Run around $1,400. Probably still, probably so, yes. Mm-hmm. About to write, uh, yeah,
0: that's about the right. Yeah, that's in the ballpark. You just want somebody who's going to use OEM Toyota parts. You don't want aftermarket parts on it, and somebody who's going to do the job right the first time.
6: Okay, where's your shop?
0: I tell you what, just go to my website. It's www.agcoauto.com. They got a little Agco? map in there. Yeah, they got a map in a- there to tell you anywhere in the world. AGCO. AGCO, Altazan's Garage Company. Ag- AGCO.com. Yes, yes AGCOauto.com. Okay, thank you. All right, sir. Thank you. All right, 499-9526, the number. If you want to be part of the automotive art, we'd love to have you. And we got Anastasia on the line. Good morning, Anastasia.
2: Hi, good morning.
1: Good morning, ma'am. Um,
4: I, I have a four-cylinder 07 Hyundai Tucson SUV, and I heard a, every time I go on a long trip, a mm-hmm. check engine light comes on, and I heard they had, like, not a recall, but a... Uh, action lawsuit because there's loose wiring have you heard anything about that i don't want to like join it or anything i just want to know yeah i've
0: if that's what's that seen a lot of loose wiring problems and burn wiring problems on the Hyundai's, and it's okay. pretty much all their cars across the board kia has pretty much the same problem it's, it's basically the same company i have not heard of a class action suit but doesn't mean, I mean there's not have... one yeah they have a lot a lot a lot of problems with that what happens on that car is that when the check engine light comes on What they call a DTC or a diagnostic trouble code is stored in memory and even if the light goes back off that code will still be in there so it's simply a matter of going in retrieving the code that'll tell you the system that's causing the problem not the part but the system then you just have to go in and do some testing and you can tell by the testing what part it is there's nothing that can't be fixed and you know if it's been going on a long time it could even be more than one problem because only one light and it tests for almost two thousand different things so what happens a lot of times the light will come on people will ignore it and then two years later to go get it fixed well there's four different things that have occurred and they say, well it, it's still but yeah but it's only one light <laughs> so if one thing occurs and you ignore it and something else occurs you know all it's doing is turn on the light but you're ignoring it very important to get that done as soon as possible if you're planning on keeping the car because most things that turn it on are not that critical but if you continue to drive with the light on it's going to cause things that are critical
2: Okay. For instance, so, I mean, something
0: like an oxygen sensor is probably a $200 repair. But if you drive with the light on, it'll take out the catalytic converter, which is a $1,500 repair. Oh, yes, sir. Okay. I mean, I didn't want to join the suit. I
4: just wanted to know if that was what it's causing because it's worrying me and I don't know too much it's about it. It's possible. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: possible. You but can Take uh, it to the dealership
4: or take it to
0: any and they can Any shop in, in the world like should it. be able to find that for you. We do that kind of work and any other good shop could as well. I wouldn't go to a dealership. I only go back to a dealership unless it's a warranty claim. Well, it's under warranty
4: still. And that's what I wanted to Yeah, but that's not they... going to be. See,
0: that's a powertrain oh. warranty. They only cover I- internally lubricated engine parts on it. Oh, They're okay. not going to cover check engine lights and stuff like that.
3: Okay. Yes I mean, sir. you can
0: check with them and see if they'll cover it for free. Hey, yeah, why not? But most likely that's not going to be covered. Okay,
3: well, thank you very much. All hard. right,
0: thank you, ma'am. Bye-bye. Okay. 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I, we'd love to have you. And let's see. I think we can catch one more call for the break. We got Kim online. Good morning, Kim. Good morning.
2: Yes, Good morning, ma'am. I have a problem with a 2001 Toyota Camry Mm six-cylinder. I've been told that my valve stem seals are leaking, Mm -hmm. and I need to know if it would be better to repair or replace that engine.
0: Kim, I would want to get that verified by a second independent source because that's not a very common issue with that car. That could be getting misdiagnosed.
2: That's what I've been told, but on startup, like overnight. When yeah, started, but it's, there's
0: a lot of things that will cause that.
2: It blows the smoke
0: out. Yeah, but there's a lot of things other than valve guide seals that can cause that. A, a stuck PCV valve can cause that, and it costs $8. Okay. Well. <laughs> you <laughs> that's
2: know, I mean. less expensive than an engine. Well, device. that's
0: right. I mean, a coolant leak that's leaking into the exhaust can cause that. I mean, a lot of things can cause that. I'm not saying it's not the valve guide seals, but that is one possibility out of probably a dozen, and I'm not going to go pop an engine or even valve guide seals on it. Now, if it is the valve guide seals, if you got fairly low mileage, you know, under 100,000 miles, it would probably be way less expensive to repair it and to replace it because that engine, the bottom end of that engine lasts pretty much forever, really don't have much trouble with it. So I don't see going to the expense of replacing an engine for, for that little problem because it's kind of a biggish thing, but it's not. I mean, that can actually be done without taking the head off the engine. Great.
2: Okay. Well, I have ninety nine thousand two hundred.
0: Yeah. Well, and see, it's already due for a timing belt if it hadn't been done yet. So right. while you got timing belt off, you're almost half the way there anyway. You can pull the valve covers off, and you can put a little adapter in the cylinder, which pushes air pressure in, which holds the two valves up. And there's a little special tool where you can take and drop the spring off of it, change the seal, and put it back together without even taking the heads off the engine. Well,
2: your shop will do that? Yes,
0: ma'am. We do anyth- there's nothing on a Toyota that we can't do. Well,
2: I will call for an appointment. All right. Thank you so thank, much. Thank you, ma'am.
0: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 499-9526 the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we're going to take another quick little break, but we'll be right back with more.
7: Just a guy here for Agco Automotive with a little advice for those who overshare on Facebook. I know, I friended you. But please, I don't need to know what you had for breakfast or where you just scratched. I don't need to know your Uncle Dominic's political beliefs or that your mom painted her kitchen the color called Frosted Fern. And for the last time, we don't care that your cat, Doogie Meowser, really looks like Neil Patrick Harris. Some more advice? In this tight economy, why waste money on a new vehicle? Stick with your older model and take good care of it to make sure it lasts. Come to Agco for quality maintenance and repair, and we'll save you from throwing money away on a big note so you can pay other bills or save for something else. In Facebook terms, that's something you'll definitely like. Want more info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A G C O A U T O.com. Agco, it's the place to go. Welcome back to
0: the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Altzan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. De Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between the two of Tools, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us calls? 499 9526. And that's what Jim did. Good morning, Jim.
3: Good morning. Good morning. I've got a 2528 uh, BMW. When I started up recently, well, I started, and motor sounds perfect and everything, mm-hmm. but it'll only go about 20 miles an hour, no matter how far you. Press that on the accelerator.
0: Yeah, Jim, I don't work on European cars at all, but I can tell you almost every time you get that symptom, the car is going into a fail-safe mode. Mm. And, see, it's a drive-by-wire car, which means the accelerator pedal is not connected to the throttle body at all. Physically? Physically. It's got sensors on the accelerator pedal, and it's got sensors in the throttle body. Okay. Now I know on GM cars they had a lot of trouble with that and it would be the throttle body itself had a failure mm-hmm. and it wasn't reporting back the right amount of opening relative to the accelerator pedal. BMW okay. I couldn't tell you for certain but it's most likely going to be something like that. You cycle ignition come back and it'll go after that?
3: Sometimes it will. Sometimes uh, not. But, but not not every time. Yeah, it's- sometimes after you you let it settle a bit and it'll, it'll run in a
0: while, and then it starts again. Right. See, it's it's a hard code, and what the manufacturers did is that when they went to drive by wire, it used to be at one time you had a cable, and the throttle body was an input to the computer. In other words, it had a throttle position sensor, and when you gave it gas, it told the computer how wide the throttle was. Well, all that's changed now. Now it's drive by wire, and the throttle body is an output from the computer. In other words, when you're mashing the gas, you're sending a signal to the computer telling how much acceleration you want. It sends a signal to the throttle by opens it up the correct amount to get that amount of acceleration. Okay. And what happens if the two sensors, actually most of them have four sensors, don't agree or correlate? It's going to shut you down because it doesn't want the car to run away from you. So it's going to shut it down to about 10 or 20 percent power, and that's as far you can put it to the floor, and it ain't going any faster than that. But it's right. some kind of electrical system, uh, electrical problem in that throttle system.
3: Okay. All right. I
6: appreciate it.
0: Okay, Thank Jim. You. Thanks, man. Bye bye. All right. Four nine 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 five two six number. If you want to be part of the automotive fire, we'd love to have you. And we got Brett online. Good morning, Brent.
6: Hey, how are you today? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Good. I have a '99 Suburban that mm-hmm. has a strange, chronic problem where it'll start normally most of the time, mm-hmm. but once a month, sometimes twice a day. It won't start. It'll turn over, but it'll just stop. It, it just won't start. I wait 10 minutes, it'll start. But it's ne- it's very, very random how it happens, and I've got no explanation for it. Yeah.
0: Brent, something, it, something that random is going to be hard to isolate simply because you you can't really test for it because you don't know when it's going to ever occur. You'd almost have to catch it doing it to be able to know because I can name four dozen different things that can make a car not start, but, again, all the tests that you're going to run are going to be predicated on testing it when it's not starting.
6: Right. So, and, you know, there's, it has one other symptom uh-huh. sometimes, and, again, this is very random, it, it won't shift out of drive after I start it. I have to start it in neutral in, okay. in order to go forward. Now, I don't know if that's related or not. It's also very random when that happens.
0: Well, you said it won't shift out of drive. And then you say you have to put it in neutral to start. I'm sorry,
6: I'm sorry. shift out of park. I apologize.
0: Oh, okay. So yeah. when you start it, it'll start, but you just can't take it out of park. Correct. Yeah, that's probably going to be a separate issue. That's almost always a brake light switch is not making up good because it's got to know that you got the brakes applied, and if it doesn't see the brake lights, even though they're applied, it's not going to allow it to come out of park. And you can I put see. it in neutral and start and it'll override the system. But that's most likely gonna be a separate issue. The only other thing, manual lever position sensor on the transmission can cause that, but that's a little more rare. On the no-start issue, Brent, you're gonna probably have to wait till it gets a little more consistent to find it. I mean, it could be something like the fuel pump bleeding down on it. That was a pretty common issue on them. Also, what they call the fuel pressure regulator can leak and it'll kind of temporarily flood the engine, which will clear after a little bit. Those it's are like possibilities.
6: It's, it's like it's flooded. It's yeah, exactly what it's well, like. Well, yeah.
0: but again, what's like it's flooded mean? You know, it could be a crankshaft position sensor is going to also not start. So there's all kinds of stuff there. It could also be like your onboard security system, which that one does have, and that'll shut the ignition down under it's, certain conditions.
1: It's actually a hidden system. You really don't know it's there until yeah, it acts up. Most people don't know
0: it's there until it acts up. But think. Uh, there's a
1: little padlock or something on, on the dash,
0: light see if that thing ever flashes at that would kind of tell you and that could be something as simple as like a bad door lock where you're hitting the door lock with your remote and it's unlocking but it doesn't know it's unlocked so when you open the door it thinks it's being stolen so it's shutting it down i mean we could go on and on and on what it could be i mean it could be the fuel pressure uh, excuse me the fuel uh pump relay i mean it could be a crank sensor it could be the wire on the crank sensor on and on and on it's just without it occurring you could check and check and check now we could go in and do a standard series of tests, and we may pick up something in the manufacturer's data. See, we've got GM scan tools, unlike some people, and that sets some codes that don't turn check engine lights on. There's not every code t- flags a check engine light. Only e- emissions codes are going to turn the light on. We may pick up a code store that gives us some leeway there. One other possibility, they had some trouble with the ignition switch and those things going out, and what it'll do is it will start Or it won't start sometimes because all the leads make up except one. And that might be the one to the ignition or whatever. And normally when that happens, it'll do some other flaky stuff. You just have to kind of try all the accessories to see if anything else is not working when it occurs. But until you can actually duplicate it on a fairly regular basis, it's going to be real difficult to find unless you get lucky and there's some kind of code stored.
6: Right, right. Okay, well, all right. well, I'll have to call and see if you can check it out. Okay, man. All right, thank you. All all appreciate right. it. Thanks, Brent.
0: Bye-bye. Bye. 499-9526, number If you want to be part of the Automotive Fire. We'd love to have you. And we got George online. Good morning, George.
6: Hey, good morning, guys. Yes, good
0: morning.
6: Sir. Good. Enjoy the show. Just quick question. We've got a mm-hmm. 07 Camry, under twenty thousand miles. Okay. Bought it a couple years ago. Had yes. 75,000 on it, uh-huh. mostly highway and no issues per se, but from the first day I've gotten it, initial startup in the morning, and it's more pronounced in the winter time. But within the first mile, it'll as you're accelerating, it'll have one surge. It'll surge up about a thousand RPMs, come back right back down. Never does it again for the rest of the day, and drives perfect. Mm-hmm. And but it'll actually do it every every morning from start off.
0: Yeah, they had a little bit of an issue with that, and I think most of the time it has to do with the variable cam timing on the engine they had some problems those cam timing solenoids when they're cold they'll stick and it can do something like that i can't say that is the problem with yours but do you get a check engine light at all no you might check and we could go in and read what they call pid data and we may be able to pull up some kind of a weird thing what i need to do on that is i would have to have the car the night before just bring it in the night before drop it all where i got it first thing in the morning and Most likely, it's going to eventually become more pronounced. It'll start doing it more frequently. It'll start doing it all the time or something like that. It's not a normal situation, but, again, it may be a very minor situation that you can continue to drive the car for a long, long time before it really causes any big problems.
6: Right. Okay. Well, All right. I'll, I'll try to get it in there again. It has not gotten any worse, and I've, yeah, guess good another fifty thousand miles on it. Well, it's spot on. I, but, I would yeah. probably
0: spend just a couple of dollars just to check and make sure it's not something that's gonna hurt anything else. And if it's not, you know, sometimes the symptom is not as bad as the fix. <laughs> you know? Right. Sometimes it costs more to fix something than what it's worth because it's not that much of an inconvenience to you.
4: Right. Okay, appreciate it.
0: Okay, George. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. 499-9526 number if you want to be part of the Automotive iron, We got Jerry online. Good morning,
1: Jerry.
3: Yes, I've got a 2003 Ford F-150 with a 4.6 engine. Okay. And I'm having air conditioning. It goes from the panel or the instrument dash to the defroster off and on. Okay. And I thought maybe it was either a vacuum or either there's a board. I understand the board's. To $800 from the dealer. Yeah. And then I, it could, and it mainly does it whenever i really traveling in the I 10 or something and I accelerate like with pulls more vacuum. But I really don't know where to begin.
0: Yeah. Jerry, that could be, what year model did you say it was? 03. 03? 03. That still had some vacuum controls on. It's largely electronic, but it does have a few vacuum controls. And I don't know. I think the Mode Door may be vacuum controlled. The only way I know to find that, we've got a machine called a smoke machine. And what that does, it pressurizes the entire vacuum system with nitrogen gas and smoke. And then you can trace it, and you can see where the smoke comes out. Because to try to find a vacuum leak in that half mile of vacuum tubing is almost impossible without something like that. But we should be able to find that for you fairly easy, and it's probably a fairly minor fix. You know, it may just be a broken line. It could be a little servo itself, bad. Most likely it's going to be a fairly minor fix. But if it only does it when you accelerate, or most does it when you accelerate, I don't think it's going to be electronic. It's more likely going to be vacuum.
3: Yes, sir. I want to compliment y'all. I'm an old hot rodder. Uh-huh. I've been around vehicles a lot, and I've got several old muscle cars. You guys don't stutter. Y'all own target. I've never found anybody any more professional. I'm passing through on I-10. I live in Lafayette. Okay. I think it would almost be worth the trip to come to you. <laughs> so well, fantastic. I appreciate it, you, uh, it's outstanding that y'all don't stutter. That click and clack and all them <laughs> brothers. Uh, they, uh, they, uh, thank you very much. I, I wish we got you over in Lafayette.
0: I'm working on that. I appreciate it, Jerry. All
3: right. Thanks, have man. a great day. All righty.
0: right. Bye. Bye-bye use a whole good hour. That's it. I want to tell everybody how much I appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday
1: morning on Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends, go to
0: iTunes, give us a written rating. Yeah, we really appreciate those written ratings because that moves us up and gets more people listening. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.